man, I screwed up the ending there, but otherwise that was a little rockin' version of Waxwork original theme song. Uh, you know, these things happen. Um, what we have here today is uh, a very special episode of Waxwork.com's Cast and Wax. Uh, we, we've been so busy, everybody has been so busy these last few weeks, we haven't had a chance to get together. So what I decided to do was, we can't delay an episode. So we're going to do a slightly different version of Waxwork.com. What we're going to do is, uh, of Waxwork.com, I mean of Cast and Wax. We're going to do a, uh, a hot potato version, basically. A hot pod, hot podcasto, hot podcasto version, where I pass the hot, pa- the hot, potato where i passed the podcast uh from one of us to the next so i'm recording the beginning because i'm the the main host of the show don't let anybody tell you otherwise um and i'm going to introduce everybody but then i'm going to pass it on to the next person and they're going to run with it so um you know uh my name is jordan e white and uh i uh play the ukulele i write a lot of stuff i used to write a lot of stuff for the show now i don't because uh, um we ran out of things i write I am still working on a new thing. I'm working on this thing called Science Girl Cinnamon. It's coming very slowly, and I'm really sorry for that, guys. I, um... I wish it was going faster. But, um... You know what? I shouldn't play the ukulele. It's just so hard to play and sing at the same time. So play and sing at the same time. I mean, play and talk at the same time. Anyway, um, so who we have here today... Um, we have me, uh, all by myself. Uh, I will next pass it on to, let's say, uh, Frank Allen, who is a, uh, a show host. He works for a, a company called, uh, Exposed, doing a thing called Curious About Serial Killers. Uh, supposedly it's gonna air on Fox News. I haven't, it hasn't yet, as far as I'm aware. Um, but you can keep your eyes peeled for it. I guess just watch Fox News as much as possible and see if it comes on. Um, anyway, uh, we also have Rory Sinjin, who's an extra historian. He works at the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies, and he wants to give you extra historical readings, if at all possible, as soon as humanly possible. And we have my catscape. My catscape technically could do one with me, but I figured, you know, to keep with the, the whole thing, I'll just, when I, when it gets to his turn, I'll set him up with the podcast and I'll leave. So let's see what do I want to talk about in my little section right here. I mean, I won't, I'll try not to be too long, uh, because I want to pass it off to the next person as soon as possible. But I'll talk for a moment about the New York Comic Con. I went to the New York Comic Con because I work for Marvel Comics, as you may or may not know. And I had a blast. It's getting really packed. It's getting super duper packed. But you know what? Here's the thing. I had a great time because I was there trying my darndest to get as much stuff regarding Sailor Moon as possible. I got a bunch of sketches of Sailor Moon characters. It was amazing. I tried to look for Sailor Moon merchandise. I didn't find much except for a little wall scroll, which I like very much. And uh, I just talked about Sailor Moon. At one point, I was interviewed by someone from about uh, about.com from their manga section about uh, about Marvel Comics working with uh, uh, Japanese artists. And uh, she actually knew my uh, Twitter. She followed me on Twitter, the, the interviewer, Deb Aoki. Uh, and she knew that I liked Sailor Moon, and she ended up asking me, the last question was, why do you like Sailor Moon so much? And I, I had a, such a wonderful time trying to explain why I love Sailor Moon, and it's very difficult to explain, but it basically involves me being a sap and falling for all the romance stuff. Does that, does that make me cheesy? I don't think it does, because the fact is that Sailor Moon is a beautiful show. It is a show that, while it is a superhero show, basically, and, a, you know, kind of a, an adventure hero show, and she does have to have, like, the physical power to win at the end, she also has to have the emotional fortitude and the goodness of heart and the purity of heart and the... the the, the love and the friendship. Like, it always comes down to that. You know it does. There's some evil queen who can, like, freeze the entire planet and, you know, is destroying everything and is destroying all of humanity. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. And it's like, yes, you can, because we're all good friends. And, like, the power of friendship is what, like, powers her physical blasts that she uses. To, okay, look, I just find that very pleasant. And I find that very... 
heartwarming and wonderful. And does that make me a girl? I don't think that makes me a girl, but there's nothing wrong with girls. I like girls. So if I'm a girl, then I like myself. So there. Anyway, um, <laughs> now that I've uh, talked about myself being a girl, uh, why don't I pass things off to Mr. Uh, Frank Allen? I screwed up his song. Oh, well, Frank, go. Hello, Jordan. Uh, thank you for sending me this podcast. It's good to be on it. Um, so let me see. You are a girl. Uh, no no disagreements there. And uh, basically are a giant wuss and, and like uh, emotional feely stuff when you should be liking things getting blasted. That's fine. I mean, here I am doing a show about serial killers. And no, it hasn't aired yet on Fox News. But keep, keep watching. You never know. Um, but no... I'm doing a thing about serial killers, which is a very serious matter, but there you are. Um, all right, so let's see. Jordan uh, told me that there's some mail for me, so he sent me this letter. Um, let's see what it says. Dear Frank, my name is Chris, and I graduated Binghamton in 2007. I was a French and Italian double major. I remember the tragedy of Alan Thomas's death. Oh, okay, speaking of serial killers, this is uh, referring to a, an ongoing investigation that I am helping the police with, um, in which uh, Mr. Alan Thomas was found murdered in Binghamton a few years ago, and uh, I happen to know uh, that Lynn Nelson killed him. I know it because I investigated and I, I found lots of evidence. You know, evidence. The kind of stuff uh, an investigative journalist like myself looks for. Okay, so uh, this is what this is about. Um, and he was a French and Italian double major. That's what an Alan Thomas was. It was a French major. He was a remarkable scholar destined for great Frenchy things, says uh, Chris. The reason I'm writing to you is this. Uh, since Binghamton, I've been living in France, pursuing a master's and teaching literature. I'm, I'm assuming that means a master's in teaching literature, but no, no, he means pursuing a master's and teaching literature. Okay, now I understand. Uh, I was recently visiting Av Av Avignon, uh, staying with friends. I don't speak French. Staying with friends and in a patisserie. Pa patisserie. Patisserie. Who did I spot but Alan Thomas? I, uh, I debated whether to approach him given the circumstances, but we were both at the counter purchasing our breakfast, and I felt that I had to say something. He did not recognize me, or did not want to acknowledge that he did, nor did he affirm his identity, but I swear to you it was he. I never forget a face, and I certainly not that of someone with whom I worked so closely in a small department at university. My mind has been reeling since, and I have spent some nights scouring the internet, Facebook, and trying to contact friends in my cohorts from Binghamton to put this story together. Could Alan have faked his death? I couldn't tell you, nor would I have an explanation for it. Anyway, in searching for Alan online, I came across Cast and Wax, and found that you were heavily involved in investigating Alan, and I thought you would appreciate this new information. I feel better with it in capable investigative hands, and frankly, I'm not sure how safe it would be for me to get involved. Good luck, and I look forward to hearing your findings. Sincerely, Christopher. Well, Christopher, um, I thank you for writing to me, and not the police, uh, because I gotta tell you, I am going to get rid of this letter. Um, I... I started the segment when I started reading your letter by saying that uh, Alan was killed by Lynn Nelson. It's obviously true that that he was. So I this is you know saying this spreading these rumors that he's alive. That's that's foolish, and uh, faking your own death that's difficult, especially when you are dead. So Lynn Nelson killed him. I, thank you again. Thank you for writing to me, not the police, because I'm going to destroy this. Um, I'm going to burn up this printout. It's an email. I guess I have to get Jordan to delete it too. But I don't want the police to hear about it. I probably shouldn't have read it on the podcast. Do, can I delete? Jordan, can you delete this for me? You're not going to answer me, are you? Because you're not here. Okay. 
Uh, well, Jordan, listen, Jordan, in the future, uh, later parts of this episode, you should say that we're going to delete that part of the podcast, okay? Because I don't want, I don't know how to delete it myself, and I would if I could, but there, obviously, this is not true. Chris is wrong. Lynn killed him. If Lynn killed him, he can't be alive. That's, uh, what we call, uh, a contradiction, um, in the investigative services. So, I'd rather not have any contradictions in this investigation because uh, I want to get to the outcome I know is true, which is Lynn is guilty. So I appreciate your your thoughts of me. Um, don't bother looking for, for Alan. Uh, he's dead. So you probably saw a guy who looked like Alan who was French. That's what, that's my advice to you. Uh, my advice to you is next time you see someone who looks like Alan, just uh, just leave wherever you are. Or it could have been, you know, because it could have been a ghost. That's the other thing. It could have been a ghost. Uh, there are ghosts, I think, probably. And um, you could have seen a ghost. And if you see a ghost, it's probably out for vengeance. So if you see him again, don't say anything to him. Don't say anything to anyone else. Just immediately say, I have to go. Leave wherever you are. If, you, if you're eating, you know, leave money. I don't, I don't want you to break the law. But if you see him, just try to leave as, as fast as possible. If you're at, you know, and don't talk to him. Don't talk to him, whatever you do. And don't talk to the authorities. So, in summary, that wasn't him. If you see him again, it still isn't him. Don't talk to him. Lynn killed him. Right, so now I'm going to pass things on to uh, to Mr. Scapeboy. Hello, Frank and Frank. Thank you for passing this on to me. Dad plays what you said to me. Uh, and now I could hear it. I mean, I did already hear it. So now I heard it, and now I am talking about it. Um, here's my thoughts for you. I think that you are good, uh, because, yeah, I don't think Rin killed it, but here's the thing. If she did, that makes her tough. I killed, I killed a mouse. Did you hear about that? It's true. Uh, so here's the story. Once upon a time, okay, uh, like, my mom was sleeping, okay? <laughs> and, uh, I... Heard a mouse with my big sensitive ears. I was like, what's that? What's that? Did I hear some scratching, scratching, scratching and crawling? Did I hear that? Maybe I will investigate. So I went to investigate. Uh, it was a mouse. Okay? It was a mouse. And I was just like, uh, what are you doing, mouse? Do you think that you are out in here? Cause, uh, I got some news for you. You are not around in here. So what I did was, I killed him. Okay? I killed him dead and i ate his head now i was gonna eat the whole thing but it was like a little too big <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> it's too big <laughs> so i was like okay uh what do i do I chew on it chew on it chew on it and i got its head off and like the top part of it so i went that's good i'll eat it um, nom, nom. And I swallowed it pretty good. And the rest, I was like, I'll save it for later, but I'll save it right here on the floor. So nobody touch it because I'm going to eat it, okay? <laughs> but then my mom woke up and I was like, hey, uh, did you know I'm a tough guy? Did you know that? Because I am a tough guy. I ate half a mouse, do you think? That's good? Because it is. And she was like, Ew, that's gross. Blah, 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 blah. Well, mom is a bit of a wuss. I am a bit of a tough guy. Mom is a bit of a wuss. So I went to mom and I said, there's my tough guy mouse. And she went, ew, and she threw it away. Uh, what? I mean, I said I was saving it. Okay, it's all right. 
it was kind of big to eat. But I, I was gonna. Anyway, uh, that's a story about a mouse. My point is, if Ren killed him, that means she's a tough guy, and that means she's tough like me, because I killed not that dude, but a different mouse dude. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, do you think that I'm so right in the tough voice engine? Do you think that as well? Hello, this is Roy Sinjin uh, of the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Yes, Scaper, you are very tough. Um, and in fact, I, again, I also do not believe that Lynn murdered Alan Thomas, but perhaps it would be that she was tough if she did it. You know, I mean, from a certain point of view, anyone who kills is quite frightening, you know, because they... Um, they murdered someone, and and uh, if if I knew someone who had killed someone, I wouldn't want to cross them, uh, because I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, you're very tough, and I admire you," you know, but I would be frightened of them, and I would not want to be near them as much as possible. Um, so, thank you for that story, Scape. It was very nice. Uh, I I actually have a letter here uh, that Jordan told me to read. So let me see uh, what this says. Mr. Sinjin, it is with a heavy heart that I write you, but Her Royal Majesty's command cannot be denied and we must all do our duty. What is this? When you first contacted the Ministry with inquiries about funding for an institute of so-called extra-historical studies, it was understood that those funds would be used primarily to advance the cause of England and her illustrious Commonwealth. It was for this reason that you were forced to repatriate as a British citizen and swear loyalty to the Queen, going so far as to name your institute in her honour. The Queen herself was delighted to know of your endeavours. As a fan of your podcast, oh, that's nice, and a devotee of sensational pop star Thomas Alva Edison, your father, it's my stepfather, yes, but uh, all right, uh, she had high hopes for this new enterprise. You can imagine her dismay then when you explained in painstaking detail your dedication to the amorphous client above all other considerations. Her royal majesty was beside herself with an amusement, going so far as to dissolve parliament for twelve hours before she could be consoled. Uh, for shame, sir, to squander the resources of your nation and affections of your monarch in a public forum, to whore your studies to any Johnny-come-lately on a foreign shore, while Elizabeth Windsor's eyes grow crimson with tears. Crim Why would she... Is she crying blood? Well, that's, I mean, that's a serious affliction if she's crying blood, and I think that she should have that checked out. Um, let's see. Had I the authorization, an MI500 would be immediately requisitioned to handle this matter to everyone's satisfaction. But fortunately for you, you CAD. No, please. The Queen's mercy and your father's intervention have plucked the matter from my hands. Well, they were going to, they were going to kill me. Henceforth, sir, in order to maintain your grant from the government of the United Kingdom, a sum that covers some 43% of your operating budget, yes, but I, you will reformat your projects and interests at home and abroad. Furthermore, to retain the ability to use the Queen's name for your institute, your, you personally, me, will immediately cease to accept monies in excess of salaries consistent with a government researcher tier Z12 outlined in the attached spreadsheet, using any overhead to improve the institute... In pursuit of the aforementioned mission, you will submit to a quarterly audit by the Ministry and be subject to prosecution to the fullest extent of the law should you found in violation of either point. That's ridiculous! How would I live off of that? On a personal note, sir, I would do whatever seemed necessary to placate the Queen were I in your shoes. The current supporters of austerity measures hold little affection for your charlatanry. And it is only Her Royal Majesty's care that sustains your grant. Good day, sir. Sincerely, Sir Reginald Kemp, KBEFRS, Ministry of Esoteric Sciences, London, UK. Now, this, this is outrageous. This is outrageous. 
I, of course, I said that I was beholden to the client, first and foremost, but I will have you know that I was lying for the benefit of those clients, Your Majesty. I, of course, am primarily devoted to you, but you have to make the client think that the client is the one who is in charge, of course. So to say things like, you know, I will do anything for the client, that's because the client has to feel important. And so you lie to the clients. You know, here I am telling the truth now about lying to the clients so that I'm going to lose clients. But I cannot lose the Queen, you see, because it's the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. It's an important matter. So, oh, I cannot live off of this, this spreadsheet. Look at this. Look at this number. It's very low. Now, I would assume, I assume, on the bright side, I assume that this does not include my extra, extra historical studies, by which I mean additional, additional historical studies, things that I do outside of the Institute as part of, you know, personal one-on-one extra historical readings. So, I will probably be able to live in the manner that I'm accustomed to, because, again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense for them to, to be saying I couldn't make money on the side, you know, right? I mean, that's how it works. As an independent advisor, you know, it's a very important part of my, my gig, you know, it's part of my income. Um, although, you know, the institute, this is a really low number. You see this number? This is a really low number. So, I don't know, I'm offended, but I can do it, you know, extra money back into the institute. The institute doesn't need the extra money, it has enough money. The budget I drew up is perfect. I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, the 43% that you provided, plus the, the, the tuition that comes from the students, it covers everything. I do need extra, but fine, I'll put in extra. And I'll make the Institute better, you know, me, me, me. I'll, you know what I'll do? I will throw a special England-themed, uh, Queen Elizabeth Windsor-themed ball. And the Queen is invited, of course. Uh, and my father is invited, of course, my first stepfather, I should say, Thomas. And everyone is invited. So I, I will use the extra money to throw this ball, which will also double as a fundraising ball, uh, which will pay back the money that I gave to the Institute extra back to me. So would that work? Does that make a lot of sense? I think that I think that would work. And in addition, during that fundraising, oh, that's what it is. I, I won't be fundraising for the school. I will be having this ball and I will hire myself to work the ball. No, in fact, I will volunteer to work the ball as an extra historical reader at the same time, giving private extra historical readings to the very, very, very rich clientele who are coming there to support the Institute and are giving money directly to me personally because I'm giving them direct personal extra historical readings as an independent contractor not affiliated at that moment with the school. So, this sounds reasonable. This sounds quite reasonable. I will throw that as a an extra historical awareness raising fundraiser. No, an awareness raiser. A an extra historical fund. No, an extra historical awareness raising gala in the name of the Queen uh, to benefit the Queen's Institute through awareness. You know, to benefit the Queen's Institute by giving more awareness to people about what extra history is and about what the Institute is so that they can come to the Institute as students, as, you know, benefactors. And they can donate money to the Institute. That's fine if they'd like to do that as well. That's a side thing. But while they're there, they can get an extra historical reading from one of the independent contractors who are working the extra historical reading awareness gala, namely myself, uh, who they have to pay independently, but it will definitely raise their awareness of what extra history is by getting that reading. You see? So I think... I mean, it's not an obligatory reading, but it's a suggested reading. You know, I'll give a speech saying, here's what extra history is as part of my role. 
as part of the school. I'll give a speech saying, here's what extra history is, and I think to learn more about it, you should probably experience it for yourself. Coincidentally, we have people here who are going to be giving readings for a mild sum, myself included. Please, you know, go into the little tents, and we will give you your extra historical readings. And the people will do that one at a time, and they will get me the money. Okay, so now this works. This works. Your Majesty, I thank you for the opportunity, of course. And again, I was lying about the clients, but don't tell the clients that. Uh, you are, of course, the most important to me. Second only to you. I mean, no, I'm second only to you. Myself. Yes, of course, I'm, I myself. I care about myself. So, yes. All right. Um, you know, it's, it's about time, I think, to start with the serials uh, and, and, and shows for the episode. So I will, I will um, start things off with extra history. No, not extra history now. There's no extra history now right now. With this day in history, and where are they now in history? And Your Majesty, I think you'll like these. I think you'll like these because I will make them with you in mind. I will think of you and your letter from your simpering sycophant um, right now as I, as I create them. So, enjoy. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On October 11th, 1962, Pope John XXIII convenes an ecumenical council of the Roman Catholic Church, the first in 92 years. In summoning the ecumenical council, a general meeting of the bishops of the church, the Pope hoped to bring spiritual rebirth to Catholicism. Cardinal, I, I have a problem. I am reading the, the doctrine of my church, but... In order to revise... Look, Your I, Holiness, I have a round I, of a golf I, in 40 I, minutes. Make it as short. I uh, cannot read the, the, the Catholic doctrine. Oh, you're illiterate. Yeah, that happens and sometimes. I speak no Latin. Oh, well, maybe if you'd spent less time, I don't know, in prayer and more time in, say, school, I have, this wouldn't be an issue. I have prayed for literacy for many years, but God has not rewarded me. Well, the me. Lord helps those who help themselves, Your Holiness. Get on it. And John the Twenty-Third did go back to school and graduated at the ripe old age of 1073. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. I'm Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on October 18, 1931, Thomas Alva Edison, one of the most prolific inventors in history, dies in West Orange, New Jersey at the age of 84? Let's listen. Concert. So loud. Ears bleeding horribly. Had you only listened to me, dear. What? Had you only listened to me, dear. What do you know? I invented the light bulb. What did you say, anyway? I invented earplugs, darling, which you should have worn to the concert. Oh, thank you, Alma von Earplug. Now I know. It's beautiful. Over there. I die. And Edison died with earplugs in his ears as he should have been at the concert the night before with ye old rock band. This is This Day in History on WHRW, a Binghamton. But listen up, students. I have more to tell. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Casson Wack. And that reminds me of the story of the founding of the Rock Institute of Rock in London, England. It being an important school, and a school that is very loud. At the Rock Institute of Rock, you can study rock music because they were founded on top of a rock where a band was playing rock music. It was a rock band called the Rockers. They found a rock in the middle of London. They set up a drum kit on top of it, and they started playing as loudly as humanly possible. People would complain. People would say, you're trying to play music that is loud, and we don't like it. And they said, no, we are trying to learn how to play rock 
music. And they said, well, you don't learn out in public. You learn at a school. And they said, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, is that what you think? Well, we will petition the government and we will start a school right here. What do you think of that? And they petitioned the government and the Queen said, let there be rock school. And there was a rock school and it was good because the Queen is super benevolent. Did you know that? She is really quite wonderful and a great, great person. She definitely funds lots of artistic endeavors and lots of important educational endeavors, things that involve rock music. Now, what those people said was, the fact that you're at a school, good, is good for you. You're going back, you're learning. But it doesn't help us any. We're still here listening to your loud music and it's keeping us up and it's damaging our ears. We're going deaf, you know, things like that. And the school said, ah, as a public service, I will let you know that if you're near loud music, you could wear earplugs to keep your ears from being damaged. And the Queen said, I approve of this. And she gave away free earplugs to the people in the area, again, because she is incredibly benevolent and a very wise and just ruler. And the people were happy and they had little earplugs in their ears. Over in the rock school, they were wearing earplugs too, because there's lots of loud rock music, you know, that's how it goes, basically. That's one of the songs that I heard there when I was walking by one day. And I was wearing earplugs on my way to school, going back to school because school is important and the Queen is even more important than that. My name is Roy Sinjin. This is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Thank you, Queen. Slam Jackson. Adventurist! By Daniel Schwartz. Episode 3, Terror on the Wing. Our story opens, ladies and gentlemen, with the famed private investigator and adventurist, Slam Jackson. Yo. On his way to get his car inspected. Sheesh. There's never anything good on the radio. As he stops and exits the car, our daring hero is confronted with a tall, steely-eyed goose. Honk! Oh, come on. Get out of the way. Shoo. Go on. Look, I don't speak... Wait a minute. You can't be. Oh, but I can be, Slam Jackson. Honk! It is I, your arch-nemesis, the world's most intelligent and evil goose, the shenanigander! What? Your surprise is evidenced on your hideous mammal-faced honk! You got hit by a bus. So it appears to you, Slam Jackson, but your human senses are dulled by the decadent comforts of civilization, honk! I merely entered a death-like trance and waited for my allies to drag me from the scene, honk! Of course. And so I waited, Slam Jackson. Waited and waited and watched, plotting my dire vengeance for my mistreatment at your hand, honk, your hideous articulated hands. Hey, there's no need to get nasty. You would of course believe that, you hysteric monstrosity. But know this, soon you will reap a bitter harvest, for the hour of my revenge draws close. As does the hour of my car's inspection. I'm going to go now. Enjoy your being a goose. Enjoy your being doomed, Slam Jackson. <laughs> right. Wow. 
Undeterred by the threats of the shenanigander, our amazing Adonis of Awesome proceeds to the garage, where an hour of magazine reading ends with a startling revelation. Mr. Jackson? Yes? Uh, we've, uh, completed your inspection. Oh, good. I can go then? Actually, Mr. Jackson, your car failed to pass inspection. What? Yeah, it meets none of the requirements for me to approve it. It needs some very extensive work before we can let you drive it. <laughs> Honk! Let me guess. I'll save you the trouble. You have the shenanigander to curse for your current predicament, honk. You messed with my car. Oh, did I ever mess with your car, honk. Tremble in impotence as I disable your mechanical conveyance. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did you mess with my car? You don't have thumbs. Oh, honk. Um, why, I used an accomplice, of course. The world's most intelligent? And evil. Sure, goose. Depending on a human? That doesn't sound like your style. Do not presume to uh, criticize my style, primate. It's curtains for you, Slam Jackson. Wait, you're Slam Jackson? Uh, yeah? The same Slam Jackson who defeated a legion of machete bonobos? Sort of, sure. Hey, Goose, you didn't tell me I was messing with Slam Jackson! Stay out of this car, Fixer! I'm sorry, sir. He offered me five bucks if I'd fail your car on inspection. Did he now? Curses! My ingenious deception exposed, honk! There is nothing wrong with your car, Mr. Jackson. Here's the keys. Thanks. How much will it cost? Hey, for the guy who beat the Monkey Queen of Zambezi, no charge. Gee, thanks. Have a great day. You too, sir. Damn you, Slam Jackson! Oh man, still no good music. Can our hero ever find a decent station? Where did the shenanigander get those five bucks? Mystery and intrigue await next time on Slam Jackson! Be back, Slam Jackson. You in a noose is good for the gander. <laughs> Honk. That episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist featured uh, Mickey Weissner as the narrator, J.R. Kunrat as Slam Jackson, Dave Miller as the shenanigander, and Charles Berman as the mechanic. So that's good. I wanted to talk for a moment, if I could, about the ridiculously pathetic pandering that just occurred on uh, Where Are They Now in History. Uh, the Queen beckons and uh, Rory Sinjin uh, uh, fawns and uh, is completely see-through and ridiculous by flattering her. I don't think the Queen is going to give in to flattery. Uh, what kind of a ridiculous person would, uh, would, would be all, all happy just because you're saying nice things about them that have nothing to do with anything? You know, uh, you think the Queen is so foolish as to just be like, oh, uh... He says, I'm nice, therefore, uh, I'm gonna give him lots of money, or I'm gonna, you know, fund his. I mean, what are you, what are you trying to, what are you trying to pull here? You know, that's ridiculous. She's a queen, you know, she knows politics, she knows ruling, she knows, you know, stuff like that. She's not gonna fall for something so cheap and easy, um, Rory. Uh, that's what I would like to point out. So, um, anyway, then we heard some Slam Jackson, which was a lot of fun. Uh, that's a new serial made by I don't know. I don't know who's the head 
I think every episode we've heard so far has been written by Daniel Schwartz, but I'm not sure if it's his show. I think I don't. I think he made it up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know these things. Who knows? Maybe we should interview them. Ah, I could do a Frank Allen interview with the creators of the new shows. Um, that would be exciting. That would be quite exciting. Now we do have two two other shows coming up. Um, another another uh, radio serial short, and then another. Uh, uh, I don't know what the other one is about. Well, we'll we'll hear them soon. Um, but before I finish this section, I, uh, Jordan has asked me again to read a letter. This time, uh, it's not a letter to me, but it's a letter to Scape. Uh, but since Scape can't read, I'm going to read it, and then he, and then I'll pass it off to Scape so Scape can 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 answer it. Um, here you go, Mr. Scape White. When word came of your nomination for second year thesis, I was pleased and excited at the news. Oh, it's a, it's from the Rock Institute, which we just heard about in. Uh, uh, where are they now in history, coincidentally enough? Uh, your fierce lyrics and intense musicality are matched only by the attitude you present, the attitude, in two words, of a rock star. Should you require an advisor for your thesis, rest assured that I would be delighted to serve in that capacity. My experience at the Rock Institute of Rock, as well as my own musical background, fits well with your own work to date, and I would be elated to help you grow as a performer and a diva. I await your reply sincerely, Nigel Smashbottle Grouse, Professor, Advanced Stage Persona and Rocking Out, Rock Institute of Rock London, UK. So now I turn the podcast over to Mr. Scapewhite to answer the letter. Hello, uh, my name's Scapey. Uh, I think that you heard me before one time on the podcast, like earlier in the podcast, I mean, when I was talking about being a tough guy, biting the head off of a mouse. Do you remember that part? That was me. Okay. So, uh, dear Mr. Professor Nigel Smashbottle Grouse, uh, okay, like, I'm still thinking about it. I still have time to decide whether I want to do this thing. But, um, I don't know. I mean, sure, maybe I would write you as my, uh, like, advisor or something. Uh, I never heard your music, though. So can you send me a little bit of your music? So I could hear the, the music and I could decide. Because you said it's like matched or it's like it goes well uh, or something. Didn't that use what you said? I think. I don't know. So can you send me some of your songs? Maybe one of your songs and I would listen to it with my cat ears that are really good quality. Okay? Ears. And I would listen to it and I would go, hmm. Hum, I think about it. Hum, hum, that's interesting. And now then I would make a decision, okay? So, if you could do that, I would, I would be thinking that it was great to appreciate that thing that you would do. And then I would decide, like, hum. So yes. Okay, now it is time to do more stuff on the podcast. I think we got two more things for the podcast. Uh, okay, here's what they are. Number one thing is called, uh, Robot, uh, Zombie Hunters Rides Again. Okay, uh, what, I don't, I don't know what that is about. It's about robot zombie riding things? Like, okay, do they, Robot Zombie Hunters Rides Again. So, okay, there's this, these, these, Robot zombie hunters, okay, that are, like, made out of metal, because they're raw robots, but they're also come back from the dead, and they also will hunt things, and somebody was like, hey, uh, if you give me five dollars, I will let you ride the robot zombie hunter, 
and somebody said, okay, and that was a long time ago, and now somebody goes, hey, I'm offering Robot Zombie Hunter rides again. Would you like some? And they go, yeah, I would like some. And that's what this is about, okay? So, um, uh, that's what this is about. Yes. Hunters Ride Again, a Chirumbolo story by Pete Bowers and Daniel Schwartz. Episode 3, Date Expectations. Commissioned during World War II to combat the restless dead of the Nazi war machine, an army of mighty robots stood tall as bulwarks of liberty in a world gone mad. Our story continues at Mike's house, where preparations are underway. How about this shirt? If you stare at it long enough, you can see the sailboat. More of a longship, really. Okay, alright, I get the idea. There's a panda on the poop deck. Taking the shirt off now! Thanks. Why did I even ask you guys over? Marriage experience? Transhuman intellect. I'm ironing your slacks. This is a good shirt. Really? That one? Its bold color suggests confidence. Its single color suggests taste. It's just so... boring. The boredom of a single color. She has accepted a date with you, not your shirt. It is you who must not be boring. I have compiled the list of 200,000 possible conversation topics. Really? What sort of topics? Alternative energy sources. Real or hoax? Favorite organic lubricants? Linus the lion. Great or greatest? Recent variations in barometric pressure. What? The weather we've been having lately. No, the one before that. Linus the lion. Great or greatest? That is a false distinction. To the contrary, it is a hotly debated issue on numerous Linus the Lion websites and fanzines. But what if she doesn't like Linus the Lion? Contingency plan one. Exit the restaurant, leaving her to pay the bill. That's crazy. Not everybody likes Your Linus Your statement is risible. Everyone who is everyone loves Linus the Lion. He's, He's totally, totally a talking, talking lion. lion. Okay, talk, okay. But suppose that we both agree that Linus the Lion is the greatest. What happens then? Contingency plan two. Propose to her on the spot, naming your first son Linus and your second son Leo. Talk, that is premature. I'll say, I don't even know her last name yet. I do. And how exactly do you know her name? Using her biometrics, I have located her face in 1,681 pictures on the internet, giving me a basis to establish her identity. Oh, I see. And you use that information to compile that list of topics? No. I did that just now. Cross-referencing. 71,000 topics remain. What are we down to now? Why do you own such an ugly dog? No! no! Listen, Mike, take it from someone who knows. You don't need a list of talking points. Women are attracted to confidence, strength, and charm. Show her that you are in control of your situation. You should order her meal for her. No, he no, shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. People still do that? Apparently not. Okay, what else? 
Honesty is the foundation of any successful relationship. She will appreciate your honest feedback. Tell her she looks pretty. Tell her she looks pretty. Isn't it obvious he finds her attractive? Tell, Tell her, her she, she looks, looks pretty. pretty. Don't be afraid to make a joke or laugh at yourself. If you take yourself too seriously, you won't have any fun and neither will she. Honey, do you hear what I said? I actually agree with that one. An inescapable conclusion. Laughter leads to offspring. Wow, too much, too fast. Let's see how I make it through dinner before we talk children. I'm just saying, Linus is a classical name with a distinguished history. I'm sure he'll keep that in mind, Cock. There you go. Slacks. Thanks, kid. Don't you look like a catch. You've come a long way from diapers. You babysit for me once, and I can never live it down. Well, look. Your butt was cute even then. Watch it. Just telling him. Why don't you walk him to the car while Talk and I clean up, Raj? Very well. Mike, let's get you going. Now that it's just us guys, Mike, I feel like there are two pieces of advice I must give you. Um, okay, Roger. What's on your mind? First, always remember to wear a hat when it counts. What? I don't know either. The second piece of advice is much easier to understand. Just be yourself. I have known you your whole life and you have grown into a fine young man. This girl will be lucky to have you. Gee, thanks, Roger. That means a lot to me. Also, be careful not to crush her in your grappling claws. Yeah, about that. Right, right. You have no grappling claws. I, <laughs> I suppose I'm almost as nervous as you are. Have a good time. Give her this. How do you... Always be prepared. We'll drive talk home. Have fun. Meanwhile at the Missing Links, Sergeant Steele, Menlo, and Prime finish closing for the night. Next, some clown says, we don't serve your kind here, and then I got no choice but to take a swing. You're damn right. Some drunken palooka can't talk that way to you. Kids today, no respect. And Prime knows that better than any of us. Like that kid Mike State was with, little brat. Pigging little nose and stupid looking hair and ribs sticking out in those horrible striped pajamas they all have to wear. Menlo, you alright? Yes, Arge, why? Ah, don't worry about it. Might as well get this done so Mike can get himself done. Know what I mean? And how? Been a dog's age since the kid got to make time with a broad. Whoa, Prime! Watch your mouth! Oh geez, sorry there, Prime. Didn't realize you talked to her yesterday. Real consider of her hanging out at the 18th hole like that. Classy lady. Sorry I called her abroad. So like I was saying, let's get this done so Mike can have a nice time with her without having to worry about our rusty patoots. You got it, Sarge. Hey, Sarge, maybe one of us should plan on opening tomorrow, on account of Mike's date? I'll take care of it. I owe him one for yesterday. Yeah, sounds like you gave him what for, huh? I gave them what five! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lucky was just you. The rest of us there, we'd given them something to really cry about. Just like in Normandy, huh? <laughs> Great time. Didn't even know what hit them. Didn't stick around to find out. Just blitzkrieg their way out of there. Well, looks like we're done for the night. Menlo, can you give me a lift home? Sure. 
Okay, if I stop for oil on the way? Should probably pick up some myself. Prime, need a ride? Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Keeps to himself. Wonder what he does all night. Meanwhile, at the Silver Rose, Mike arrives just in time for his date. Good evening, sir. Uh, do you have the reservation? Um, I'm meeting somebody here. I see. A uh, romantic rendezvous, perhaps? Something like that, yeah. Very well. And uh, your companion's name is... Saffron. Hmm. We have a... No. We have a... No. We have no reservations for a Ms. or a Mr. Saffron, I am afraid. No, Saffron's her first name. Aha! I see. And her last name, it would be? Um. Ah, at first date, then. It would seem, yes? Yeah. And perhaps the last one as well? Hey! <laughs> Mike! Hey, over here! There she is. <gasps> Mon dieu! My apologies, sir. I did not realize you were meeting Mademoiselle. What? Quickly, go to her. Hi. Hey. Which of Talk's list of conversation starters will Mike use? Where does Prime go when nobody is watching? More thrills next time on Robot Zombie Hunters Ride Again! Hi everybody, this is Dan Schwartz, and this is Pseudo History and me, Dan Schwartz. So, I figured, Rory Sinjin makes a lot of money with his extra history stuff, and so, if he can do it, how hard could it possibly be? So I'm gonna make up some garbage to tell people how to live their lives, and you guys are going to have your worlds blown, and then I will have a pile of money. This is the best plan ever. You should call in the way that Alexander the Great called in to, I don't know, the $64,000 question, which is how he got enough money to conquer India. Thrilling, I know. First caller. Uh, yeah, uh, hello, Dan. Hey, there. What's yeah, your name? Uh, uh, my name's Lou. Hey, Lou, how you doing? Uh, well, not so good. That's why I'm I'm, I'm calling sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I got a, a pretty good job. I'm, uh... That's I, good. I, I, work, I envy you that. Well, yeah, I work in distribution for Beep Cheese Crackers. Uh, and, uh, well, here's the problem. I make a lot of money. Uh, that sounds like a problem. Yeah. Well, and I, I've got a pretty normal life. Uh, you know, I got hobbies. I like to go to the horse races. Okay. Uh, I like playing Horses. poker. Poker, yeah. Um... I like uh, I like football. I do the pools, you know, on that. Ah. Um, I like slot machines. Oh. Uh, uh, I like uh, collecting. I uh, I collect uh, rare coins. It's only the rarest coins. I the I, very but, rarest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trouble is, no, you know, end of the day, I uh, I, I I end up I can't pay my rent uh, oh, or, my, or well. my bills um, or uh, or my alimony. Oh wow. Yeah. Or uh, or for food, really. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's a lot of things. 
some days I, I can't actually afford to get to work, which Yikes. kind of is a that, vicious cycle. Yeah, uh, that uh, it's it's right. kind of a problem. I thought maybe like the call and show. Maybe I, I I don't know if you could help me or what. I, well, look, I am, I'm not sure I can help you. You're my very first caller. Yeah, I know, but, I, I um, know. I just, like, I'm trying everything. I, yeah. And actually... You, you must be desperate. But if Rory Sinjin can do it, then I can do it. Hold on. You have no money. Who else had... Cavemen had no money. Um, until, of course, Thomas Alva Edison came from the future to give them gold coins with Thomas Alva Edison's face on them, which is why we have faces on coins now. No, I know all about gold coins. Like, I, yeah, I, there you go. Exactly. I got a huge number of those. Uh, that well, I used to have. I gave them away. but Oh, well. well kind of gave. Yeah. Well, what I find really helps me is to think about the War of 1812, when 1,812 robots stood against the forces of the Great Penguin Con for the war for control of the Antarctic Circle. Wow, who won? Well, I'm only going to assume the robots because it's the War of 1812 and not the war of a whole poop ton of penguins. Well, gee, I would have bet on the penguins. Really? Yeah. Oh. I thought um, I would have thought they were sure. Well, yeah. I would have put down like $10,000 on the penguins. Well, that sounds like you would have lost $10,000 right there. Yeah. And that that would have been a lot more back then before the inflation. Um so really you Might probably have been broke. Yeah, by not betting on that, you probably saved yourself, oh, a billion dollars easily. By not betting on the... Yeah. I would have had 10,000... A billion dollars? Yeah. By not... Are you saying if I bet less, I end up with more money? When you put it that way, it sounds like great advice. Jeez. Are you sure not? you're not just, like, making this crap up about the penguins and everything? Listen, I am absolutely making this crap up about the penguins and everything, but think about it for a minute. Bet less. Then I, like, instead of losing it in the bet... I keep the money for me. Yes. You are a genius. Apparently. All right. Thanks, Dan. Anytime, Lou. Godspeed. Uh, all right. Remember, never bet on penguins or anything else, I guess. Yeah. You have a problem. Um, wow. That that was humiliating. I can't believe that worked. Let, let's... Beginner's luck. Let's try this again. Caller, you're on the air. Oh, uh, hey there. Uh... Uh, this is, this is Dan, right? Well, no. This is Dan. Who are you? Well, the, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Adam. Hi, Adam. Uh, how are you? How are you? Um, not bad, actually. I seem to be very helpful today. I hope that you're doing okay. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of all right. You know, I'm, uh, uh, for, I, I got this bit of a problem. You know, I'm, I'm guessing you can help me, you know, because you're like a doctor, right? You, you know, that, that's what you do? Oh, man, I can say that I'm a doctor in the same way that Rory Sinjin can say he's an extra historian. So, sure. Okay, yeah. well, I, f I figure doctors are really smart. You know, Absolutely, that's, yeah. That's that's what, the, you know, they go to college for. That's just what I assume. That's anyway. why we have colleges. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a high schooler. And, Hi. Uh, well, you know, I'm kind of on the football team, kind of the captain. I believe you. Okay, well done. Gold star. Yeah, it's, it's what I do. And okay. um, I can I can have any girl in the high school I want. I've slept sure. with probably about oh somewhere in the three digit area. Okay, yes, yeah. sure. Not, not even counting the middle school. That's not good. I mean, from the old days, you know. Uh, you know, yeah, good, precocious good times. You know, clearly. And and honestly, I, I really can't. I really need to find a challenge. You know, but there's there's one girl that particularly caught my eye, and I I, I just gotta have her. You know, she's she has a sparkle in her eye, and the and the way that her skin is, I just I gotta have it. But I. I I'm having the hardest time ever, and I was wondering if you could help me with this. Um, hmm. You're having the hardest time ever because of a woman. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, first off, you know, she's she's kind of my friend's mom. Oh, you know? okay, yeah. And you, that That's always difficult. Um, th that's kind of not the worst part, though. She's a, a bit of a paraplegic. When you say a bit, uh, do you mean she's... She's half of a paraplegic? Or, like, well, she's a paraplegic on Wednesdays? 
well, like you know, when, when she communicates with Drool, I know oh, that much. Oh, oh, okay. Um, but I mean, th- I mean, the, the the way that it comes out, I just I get so turned on. I can't I can't help myself. Like, clearly, I, I'm, like one of these days, I'm, I feel like I'm gonna get arrested by just being near her. You are filled with an insatiable desire. This this is true. You and cannot I, and satiate I your desire. Okay, I guess history could be useful here somehow. How about um? Well, you mentioned a challenge. Let's talk about the Challenger explosion. Okay, um, the, I, I really hope this doesn't involve me blowing up because you know oh, I, no, I, no, I no. need my arms um, for throwing. It's my dad will kill me. Of course, if you are blown he up, will, you will be killed. Exactly. He will but, smash the three hundred dollar pickup truck that he promised to give me once I graduate. No, no. Fo- follow my lead here. Um, the Challenger was an airship that was supposed to go higher than other airships went, but it exploded before it could get higher than those airships. It exploded prematurely, which sounds like it's the sort of problem that you're faced with. But really what you need, I think... um, Is an airship? That might be a good start. But also, this woman, mother of your friend... Her name is Francine. Francine. She's got a name. Oh, good. She has a name. I am glad that you know that. Um, The alternative is terrifying. But maybe you should be like the Challenger. Okay. Except without the exploding part. You should go the distance. Higher than other airships have gone to win her affections. So I should get a wheelchair too. A wheelchair. That sounds brilliant. Get to her level. Like the airship. Yes. Approach her as an equal. Oh. Oh, this is great. Uh, Yeah, I guess. All right. I know exactly where to get one. I can steal one from the kid at school. Whoa, whoa. That's the only way I know how to get one. Maybe. How would you get one? Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. All right, then I'm going to get one from him. Okay. I don't even think he needs it that much. Why not? I think he's doing it for attention, really. (laughs) Probably. Thank you, Adam. Well, thank you. This is... You're welcome. This is going to be the best day ever. Clearly. You you, you have a good day, sir. I, I will. Okay. I've... Helped a football player find love. This is the opposite of high school. Apparently, I'm brilliant at this. Um, this is pseudo-history and me, Dan Schwartz. Um, next caller, you are on the air. Uh, hey, what's going on? Um, advice show. Uh, hi, hey, is it, yeah, yeah, this is Dan? Yes, this is Dan. Who oh, is well, that? Yeah, you are, well, you are Dan, yeah, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my name is Bored. Uh... Hi, bored. Is that foreign? Uh, I, I get uh, sort of. I guess. Okay. It's kind good. of a strange predicament. Uh, I'm actually a ten-story plank of wood ah. uh, that can speak. Well, I was found by, by an Aboriginal tribe, and uh, they now worship me as their deity. Oh, uh, worshipped as a god. That must be nice. Right. Well, I, I mean, it's it's interesting to say the least. It's yeah. something. It's something to do. Totally. You know. So, but. Uh, you know, my um, the major issue I'm having. I was listening via a telepathic communication. Oh, you're a telepathic giant uh, plank of wood. Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how I'm calling it. Very you know. cool. It's a very, yeah. uh, it's a very odd situation. Don't know where I came from. Don't know how long I've been here. I just know I got a bunch of Aborigines worshiping me. You know. Okay, sure. So, it's pretty interesting. Got a temple, all yeah, that, that fun that, stuff. Yeah, that, that cool. sounds exciting. Waterfalls. You know. Yeah. So uh, uh, the big thing is, is that while I'm telepathic, I don't actually have any godlike powers. Oh. So well. uh, I was, I was wondering, and they're always praying to me, like, oh, you know, bring us rain for the crops, bring us this, okay. that, other thing. I was wondering how I can actually go about uh, helping them, even though, you know, I can't really do anything. I'm just a giant. I'm a ten-story plank of wood. Okay. Um, let's go back in history to think about great helpers. All right. Um, do you know who Helen Keller is? Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Helen Keller has had this friend, Annie Sullivan. Oh, okay. And um, 
Annie Sullivan had too much time on her hands. Like, she had no drive. She didn't know what to do with her life. And so Helen Keller pretended that she was blind and deaf so that Annie could spend all of her time teaching Helen things, you know, like what water is or whatever. And well, yeah, um, well, that, that was nice. That was nice of Helen. Yeah. Yeah. Helen really helped Annie get her life together. Um, so she went back to school and started dating and was teaching Helen words and things. And I think that's how the story goes. Yeah. Helen Keller later went on to found the American Civil Liberties Union, oh. um, which I assume is an acting troupe where people pretend that they are having offensive views so that other people will be able to get mad at them and fill their time. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so what, you, so I, so what I'm interpreting here, what I'm trying to get, what I guess you're saying is I don't necessarily have to have godlike powers, just pretend I have godlike powers. Oh yeah, totally. Wishing she'll be done. Just, just yeah, like, the- like when they're like, when they're like, oh, bring us rain, bring us rain, just be like, it shall be done. And like, like just that'll hopefully that hopefully that'll it's just power positive thinking. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's a book with that title. Excellent. It was probably written by Magellan. Yeah. Well, I know. I know that. I've I've read The Secret. I just never really enacted it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That that's probably got pages. Yeah. It you totally, know. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. Leonardo Leonardo da Vinci wrote on pages. Interesting fact. No, oh, really. Oh yeah. Like like the uh like like um it's like a medieval person. Oh yeah, he page? lined up a bunch of squires and sort of tattooed. Yeah, I his work on their backs backwards so that they could look over their shoulders and read it. Um, it was really smart. He was great. Excellent. That he invented the light approach. bulb. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, Board, I hope that this helps you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Dan. A- anytime. Have fun. If you're, ever in, uh, if you're ever in Australia, come on down here. Yeah, sure. Say hi to the Aborigines for me. Will do. Thanks. Cool. Bye. Um, board, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know why Rory Sinjin gets so much money for this. This is easy. <laughs> um, not to say that you at home should do it, because then you'll end up like um, John D. Rockefeller, who was hit by gold. Yeah, he died of gold poisoning. Too much gold in his system after it fell on him. Okay, um, pseudo history and me, Dan Schwartz. Um, I apparently can revolutionize your life the way that the British revolutionized America with the invention of the three-field system. Next caller. Um, hello? Hi. Hi. Hey. So, um, are you like a help person or something? A help person is absolutely what I am. What's your name? Demi. It's short for Demetrius because my dad is a dork. Okay. Yeah, that sounds dorky. Everyone calls me Demi, like that girl on the Disney Channel. Hey, Demi. Hi. So, um, I have a problem. Um, so... Every night, I, like, leave my windows open and hope that Edward Cullen comes to visit, and he never does. Um, I My boyfriend's name is Edward, too, but it's not the same. How do I get Edward Cullen to, like, come visit me? Well, um, Edward II was the gay king of England. Um, well, not the only gay king of England. Richard the Lionheart was also pretty gay. Um, that's why he was always, like, roar. But it sounds like your problem is mostly vampirical in nature. Yeah. Um... Interesting fact, um, the inspiration for most modern vampires is the Emperor Claudius, who went around biting people's necks open and then feeding them to lampreys. Um, do you have any lampreys? No. Hmm. What, so I guess what, that's not what a is super a lamprey? good example. Oh, it's like a little eel fish thing with a thousand rows of razor I think razor my boyfriend has one of those. Okay. Um, well, that's a start, I guess. Um, great. Let me think. 
Um, so I should put my neck on his lamprey? Well, I can't recommend that on the air, but maybe you should talk to him about his lamprey the way that um, the Rothschilds talked to Hitler to reach some sort of mutually beneficial understanding. Okay. Um, maybe, were the Incas involved there? I don't think so. I don't think there were Incas by the time of Hitler, um, except for space Incas, but they aren't real. Or are they? I don't know. Okay. Um, so how History about- is not my thing. Not mine either. But um, so how about this? The first people who landed on the moon, today we call them Japanese. What they did was they took enormous sails um, and waited for the divine wind, the kamikaze, if you will, to buoy them upward into the exosphere until they landed on the moon, which is why today all astronauts wear hats. Okay. So maybe you should talk to your boyfriend, Edward, was his name? Yeah. That's a nice name. And you should talk to him about his lamprey and about his plans for the future. Okay. So, but astronauts wear sparkly outfits, so maybe I should just cover my boyfriend in glitter. Ooh, that sounds sharp, but, um... Well, like soft glitter. Oh, the best kind. Um, yes, I think that Socrates invented glitter, so maybe you should be Socratic in your method. So, do that. Okay, so I'll cover my boyfriend in glitter and talk to him about his lamprey, and and then he'll turn into Edward Cullen, and we'll be happy in our dark love forever. Dark love, yes. Well, thanks, I guess. I'm gonna go visit my boyfriend now. Bye! Anytime, have fun. Edward Cullen, ladies and gentlemen. Um, apparently, lampreys. Next caller. Uh, hello? Hello? Hey there, hello. this is Dan of Pseudohistory and Me, Dan Schwartz. Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you for taking my call. I'll just, uh, call myself Samuel on the program. Uh, well, here's the nature of my problem. I'm a history teacher. Okay. And I, uh, thought that maybe as a fellow historian you would have some insight into this. Uh, my class is giving me problems. Uh, largely, it's full of minorities, which is a problem in itself, and I've tried to give them especially low grades to get them to go away, but some of them are very persistent. Uh, and they insist on correcting my errors in class. For instance, whenever I make an inaccuracy, they seem to want to correct it with actual history, which I find to be insubordinate. I usually fill in what I don't remember with a load of crap. And some of these people, especially the minorities that I've been persecuting, find this objectionable. I'm trying to find a way to get them out of my hair, so to speak. Office politics prevents me from getting them expelled for specious reasons. Do you have any advice? Um, a bunch. First of all, it's always important to remember, Samuel, that history is in the past which means that there are few reliable witnesses and fewer every day. So it's always important to make up history because it's not like there's anyone who can say you're wrong. And certainly, if you're teaching people, those people are younger than you. Well, they certainly don't have the right to say I'm wrong, but they do it anyway. And I'm, I'm trying to abuse them into leaving, but that's, that's the crux of my problem. I make it up all the time. I, I, I think that's customary. I'd always assumed. But um, as for forcing out minorities, um, well, when the... Pilgrims came to America 
fleeing political persecution in Atlantis. Um, they were often persecuted by the Indians, who used magic spells to make winter fall on them. So maybe you could um, make winter fall on them? Make winter fall on them. Look, I don't teach physics. Don't you have a physics teacher? Well, it's summer now. I'd have to wait months until the semester is over. Well, that's not actually true. It's always winter somewhere. So send them somewhere it is winter. Now you're talking. Like where they came from. I see, so I could get them deported. Oh, well, I mean if they came from the Southern Hemisphere. Otherwise, you're not sending them back where winter is. Maybe if you used the example of Genghis Khan, the first man to swim the English Channel. Achievement, you yes. say? Let them achieve something so they feel better and don't hassle me. Yes. I see, so I'll give them inflated grades and a spurious sense of having done well, and they won't be so discontent. Yes, appease them, the way I that Neville see. Chamberlain appeased Wilt Chamberlain and resolved the playoffs. Watch out, minorities! Empty sense of success coming your way. Ooh. Helping out Twilight fans and racists. I do not know how I feel anymore. Then again, if Rory Sinjin can whore himself out to the highest bidder, I guess that I had better learn to compromise my ethics as well. Um, let's see, are there any other callers? No, that's about it. Um, so, now that I've proven that I can spout gobbledygook and disguise it as history, I expect enormous corporate grants to come pouring in. This is Dan Schwartz, and this has been Pseudo History and Me, Dan Schwartz. I guess I'm done with you now. So remember, be like Captain Webb, the fierce Mongol conqueror, and use light artillery combined with tanks and skeletons. Good night. Just a little bit of history repeating. All right, I'm a professional. Uh, my name is Roy Sinjin, so therefore I will professionally say this first. Uh, in Robot Zombie Hunters, right again, number three. The narrator was Charles Berman. Mike was Mickey Weishner. Roger was Ed Jones. Talk was Ed Jones. Kit was Jackie Ansens. Sergeant Steele was Jordan Randall, as was Menlo. The maitre d' was Pete Bowers. And Saffron was Angela Tymon. And then over in Pseudo History and Me... Uh, you heard the voice talents of Mr. Daniel Schwartz, Charles Berman, Jordan Randall, Ed Jones, Julia Adams, and Charles Berman again. Yes, now listen, um, this is not correct, okay? Um, so you just heard a slanderous not-trueness that was being said. Um, I don't just make things up. I was highly trained, and I do the things I do well. Now, Mr. Schwartz, if that is your real name, which I assume it is, because we've met and I've seen your birth certificate. So... I have some news for you. You have the makings of being a great extra historian. First of all, you've done a number of things wrong, though. First of all, you did not ask those people for money. You say you're going to get a large sum of money, but they did not give you any money. They called you up. You did it for free. They left. You have no money. So, first of all, very foolish. Second of all, you say that you're making things up. That should not be something that you say. Why should you not say that? Well, many reasons. First of all, it helps with the getting of the money. But also because... It's not true. You think you're making things up, and it may feel as though you are making things up, but I am telling you, you are not actually making things up out of the ether, okay? You are, you are, okay, in, in much the same way that when someone tosses a baseball to you and you catch it, you are not, you are not actively doing complicated physics calculations. 
you are casually, instinctively doing incredibly complicated physics calculations that on paper would take a lot of work. You know, um, that is what you're doing with extra history. You're casually thinking that you're just kind of, oh, I'm just tossing off some ideas. You're actually doing very, very complicated works of extra history that I, as an extra historian, understand better than you do. But you did not cover your derriere, as the French would say, and uh, spit on the French, of course. But you did not cover your hindquarters, all right? Um, you said something very bad in that episode. You said that da Vinci invented the light bulb. This is completely, ridiculously untrue. Everyone knows that that's not true. I had no choice, my friend, but to pass along this information that you spuriously said this on this show to my stepfather, Thomas Alva Edison, and I have been informed that he will be serving you papers personally for the giant slander lawsuit that you will soon be undertaking. It is going to be devastating, all right? It is going to be in, in, enormously devastating. But I have another solution. There is something that we, we can work out, I think, so that you don't have to go through this horrible, horrible lawsuit that will probably rob you of all money you've ever made and all money you will make for a very long time. He's a very powerful man, and he doesn't want people giving Da Vinci credit for the light bulb. Come on now, Da Vinci, the light bulb. Really? Is there a world where that's true? Yes, but you didn't say there is a world. You said it's true. You just said it was true. Even though you said you were making it up, you said it as though it were true. That's a no-no, legally speaking. I, on the other hand, say that there, I'm talking about other worlds. Now, is there another world where da Vinci invented the light bulb? Of course there is. It's not as good of a world. Because my stepfather invented the light bulb. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows. He invented a lot of things. Many of which you said were invented by other people. Not true. Okay. Now, if you would like to have my help in getting this terrible, terrible lawsuit alleviated, because I do have some pull, a little bit, with my stepfather... I can talk to him. What can you do in return? Well, I can offer you a paid scholarship to the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. There you will learn how to be a proper extra historian. There you will learn about how you need to say that there is another world. It's very important. It's so important. And you have to not say that you're making it up because you're not. You know, you have to learn what it is you're actually doing when you think you're making things up. We can teach you that. And we can teach you how to charge people money instead of giving it away for free. We can teach you all these things. What, what you would do in return, of course, is give what we would call a financial uh, donation to, um, let's say, your benefactor, whoever that may be. Um, perhaps we'll talk about exactly who that would be off the air, because I think you know who I'm referring to. But I don't want to say it in the public forum. I think you know who I mean. And then in return, your benefactor will talk to his stepfather, you see, yeah, you understand that, and try to alleviate the legal challenge that you will soon be facing, all right? So, this is a really a win-win situation. You join the Queen's Institute. You learn to be a proper extra historian. You do things the right way. Make yourself lots of money. And your benefactor, who we all know who it is, gets some money as well. And everyone gets to be satisfied, and my stepfather will be placated by the fact that you will make a public apology saying you were talking about another world, etc., etc., once you've learned the proper extra historical techniques. Now... How will you accept this deal? Of course, you can get in touch with me at castandwax at gmail.com. And in, f in fact, you can get in touch with all of us. Please, everyone, if you'd like to write into us, we've been reading emails this whole time, castinwax at gmail.com, please. 
And uh, speaking of which, I, I've been informed I have another letter here from Jordan. Uh, well, it's not from Jordan, but Jordan informed me of this other letter. Um, let's see what it says. Mr. Sinjin, that's me, I must say that you are in little position to talk about the Nassau Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Ah, oh, this is from... This is from Richard Johnson. He wrote to us about the Nassau Institute last time, and now here he is again. If I remember right, it was not too long ago that a certain someone applied to my institute, which, I may add, gets more than twice the annual clients on average than the Brooklyn Institute did at its Acme. Now, let me tell a little extra history of my own. There is a world where you did get accepted to the Nassau Institute, which you had told me in person that you had dreamed of attending since you were a boy. This same institute which, I may add, you praised almost nonstop all during our open house, back when you were applying. In this world, you did get accepted, and you were the scholar-student you claimed you would have been. You would have then gone on to get a job at my institute, and would have been twice, if not three times, more successful than you are in this world. That would be quite a wonderful world, but in this world, you were turned down due to questionable remarks on your permanent records. I would like to get it out in public. This is, a, this is not true. You established the Queen's Institute because no one else would accept you. That is so not true. If I had known prior, I might have extended a hand because of your proven track record in extra history, but after last week's podcast, I will not. I, Richard Johnson of the Nassau Institute of Extra Historical Studies, hereby boycott the existence of the Queen's Institute and suggest other institutes do the same. Good day, sir. Richard Johnson, president of the Nassau Institute for Extra Historical Studies. What does that mean? Boycott the existence. So you won't acknowledge that it exists? So obviously I won't be getting another letter from you because you're boycotting my existence of my institute. Well, there you are. Um, that's not a problem for me. I'm doing fine. And I did not apply to your institute. It's a lie. If you have documentation, I would like to see it with my own two eyes because I do not believe you do. I believe there is no e evidence of that. So, and, and if I did, I wouldn't have said all those things you said I said because you're talking about another world, didn't, weren't you? So there... Maybe you were. There is another world where I said those things, but you know what? That world was not better than this world because that world sucks. And yes, there's one where I made three times as much money, but there's one where I'm, you know, a dirt poor because I went to the Nassau Institute and the Nassau Institute poisoned my mind with terrible, awful things that was, were not true. Look, the point is, the Nassau Institute is, 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 is crap. And the, the Queen's Institute is wonderful because the Queen acknowledges it, for one thing, and also because I run it, which is a, the biggest thing. So there you are. Mr. Johnson, I... I spit at you, and I do not acknowledge your existence, either. So there. Um, Richard Johnson who? I don't know who that is. Oh, never heard of him. He's never been someone who I've heard from with emails. So there you are. Uh, false. All right, false. Moving along. Uh, go ahead. Whoever's next. Hello, everybody. It's me, Jordan D. White, here again. And that reminds me. Uh, I'm very much reminded now of the fact uh, this is something I, I want to perform a little song. I I uh, I uh, I was moved to try to perform this song, and I I figured out uh, how to do it, and uh, I want to perform this. It's a song that you will recognize if you're a longtime fan of the of the uh, show, but it was slightly it was slightly referenced in uh, in that episode of uh, Pseudo History and Me. Um, but uh... Captain Webb, better look out, Captain Webb. In your web-like substance, the criminal snared So you can just dance and they can get scared Captain Webb, win the channel Captain Webb, wearing flannel You're gonna string them up and string them along The subject of this awesome song Captain Webb, yeah! 
That was, of course, the Captain Webb theme song from the famous Captain Webb animated series. And if you want to know how to play it, because um, people have been asking me for chords, uh, I would love to hear your covers of the Captain Webb theme song, uh, just like you just heard my cover of the Captain Webb theme song. Uh, it's really easy to play. All you got to do is it's a uh, uh, an E chord, Captain. I'm sorry, an E minor chord, Captain Webb. Better look out. G chord, Captain Webb. There is no doubt in your A minor web-like substance. B minor, you're criminal snared. C, so you can just dance. D, and they can get scared, Captain Webb. Same thing again, just repeats. Captain Webb, swim the channel. Captain Webb, wearing flannel. Yeah. What was the next line? You're gonna string them up and string them along. The subject of this awesome song, Captain Webb. Yeah. I'd love to hear your cover of Captain Webb. Uh, send it on in, and I, I can play it. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, uh, in addition to that, I, I want to talk a little bit about music. Uh, but first, let me say, send it in. I said send it in. Castinwax at gmail.com. Send in your covers of Captain Webb. Send in your ideas for other things to talk about on the show. Send in your letters for our, our friends, Frank Allen, Rory Sinjin, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Scapey, little Scapey. Um, please, send in all your, all your, all your interesting stuff. But... Uh, I wanted to mention something else that you could send in. I have been, for a while now, recording a thing called um, Ukulele is for Covers. Uh, it's just uh, it's up on Waxwork.com. If you go under the music section uh, and then under White Noise, which is where I put a lot of covers that I've done, uh, there's a new section called Ukulele is for Covers. I have a bunch of things on it right now. I have uh, the, the No Effects song, Drugs Are Good. I have the NSYNC song, Bye Bye Bye. I have Pico and Sepulveda. It sounds kind of crappy. Don't listen to that one. I have an awesome cover of Sledgehammer. I have a Sailor Moon, Moon Cosmic Power that you heard on the, on here one time. I have a cover of the Double Rainbow Song by Auto-Tune the News. Uh, a cover of Girl is Sleeping by Get Sit Go. And the most recent one, a cover of 16 by The Indelicates. And I'm going to play that for you in just a second. I'm going to let it, uh, close our, close us out with that song. But what I wanted to, to mention was, um, you know what? I feel like this is something I'm going to want to do on a regular basis once in a while. You know what I mean? Like uh, every it's not exactly, that, that doesn't make sense. Then. Regular basis once in a while. Every once in a while I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep recording ukuleles for covers. So if if I would like to put out a call for requests, I don't want you to request a song because I don't want to be that limited. But if you want to request a band or a recording artist, I will try to learn a song by them. That way I still have the freedom to like pick out what song I want to learn. Um, it has to be somebody I've heard of. If you, if you, if you write in with some really super obscure, which is funny because like I said, the indelicates gets it go. They're kind of obscure already. Um, but I happen to know them. So if you write in with someone that I've heard of, I will probably try to learn a song for them. I, I can, I can find one good song by them. And I also have not recorded songs by some of my favorite groups. You know, I haven't recorded the they might be giant song. I haven't recorded a ween song. So who knows? Maybe I'll record one of those as well. Write into me, castandwax at gmail.com. Tell me who you want to hear me do a cover by. Same with everybody else. Write in, tell me uh, things that for them. Tell, tell Frank things, tell Rory things, tell Scapey things. And um, we'll all be getting back to you soon, I'm sure. So hopefully you enjoyed this uh, hot podcasto episode of Cast and Wax. Um, yeah, because I did. Um, that was a nice Captain Webb theme song. Uh, can we... I would, I would like to hear, I would really love to hear your covers of it though, cause like, like I, I can't finger pick, but like if I could hear like a tender version, like, Captain Webb, Captain Webb, better look out, Captain Webb, better look out, Captain Webb, 
Yeah, I'm terrible. Anyway, um, I want to hear yours. But here's me playing on the ukulele the song 16, written by the Indelicates. You should check them out. They're super, super awesome. Be seeing you. I'm 30.